Well, hey, Jack. Hey. Bored, but good otherwise. All right, perfect. Well, we're uh, we're waiting on Everly to come join us. Um, but from what I can tell, we've started recording, and uh, our inability to edit or our refusal to edit means live. I didn't I didn't know if it'd start going live when the first person came on. Uh, when everyone came on, but uh, who knows what, what Everly's up to. <laughs> he could be battling uh, nap time for the kids right now. So, um, Anyway, uh, so, so tell me, you say you're, you say you're bored. Oh, there, oh, there he is. Hello? Everly, are you with us? Sorry, technical difficulties. <laughs> are, are you uh, are you filming today from the bottom of the aquarium? Yeah. <laughs> it seems it, as though he's drowning. Felt like he was a really a really long ways away from his phone or his computer when uh, when he answered. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, while we wait for him to uh, to figure out his technical, uh, what do you think? Is the general general student population bored out of their mind with virtual school? Um, that's difficult to say because <laughs> you think I've been in contact with many students, but from the little contact I have had. With their classes, I think I'm. I'm I think I'm. Are, can you hear me? I think I'm in. Okay. Yep, I can. Yep. I can hear Sorry, you. Sorry, I Good. was uh, listening to a podcast um, through my Bluetooth speaker before I got on here, and then I forgot to turn it off. So um, I think it jacked all kinds of things up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're off to a sparkling, uh, sparkling start here. <laughs> Uh, so we'll uh we'll catch you up with where we're at but jack was uh i think he was about to tell me that he's not talking to a lot of other people in the student population How surprising yet I know. <laughs> sure. uh and, and what do you what do you suppose is the most boring part of virtual school i just think the lack of it's not so much communication, just that the communication has changed in a way that isn't as fulfilling for social needs. So you mean us recording okay. ourselves for 20 or 30 minutes at a time or however much it is, and then you just watching it is not good for your <laughs> social needs? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> well, probably me wrong on that one. Well, it's not just when I thought this whole uh, process was going to catch on and kids were going to be all about it. Uh, it's coming back to tell us maybe, maybe there's other What's parts. What's the best part? No, I'd say the, I've quite enjoyed the podcast. It's actually been one of the few podcasts I can actually stomach to listen to, <laughs> but it's just <laughs> other teachers don't have a podcast. That might be the issue. <laughs> Jack, what's your favorite part about quarantine education? Oof. Uh, 
being able to do the work whenever. Because, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I've been waking up at 1 and then finishing my week's work in two hours and then having nothing to do afterwards. So you wake up at 1 in the afternoon? I mean, so Sometimes you're, too, so you're yeah. like, so do you have like a bowl of cereal in front of you right now or a coffee or? <laughs> I think I ate Fruity Pebbles and that was it. <laughs> so you got to, you need to understand you right now are on a podcast with two people that are far more likely to be awake at two o'clock in the morning with kids. Um, <laughs> working at two o'clock in the morning um but yeah well good good for you uh so everly uh i'm I'm looking at our um our agenda for the week and i you chose not to put a whole lot on it 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 definitely feels like i've i've uh i've hit a hit a little bit of a lull but i mean i think we're we're about to get into some new territory here i think we've mined the french revolution quite a bit and so i think you know we've made those connections and stuff so this week's a transition week and then i think also you know in our in our own existence as you kind of settle into this new normal after 40 days there's or 45 or however many days we've been doing this for now um there's less novelty than what there was at the beginning which is saying a lot because there wasn't much novelty at the beginning Uh, I I would agree. I I feel that I've hit a wall of sorts trying to come up with new and different things to do, and uh, and I think Jack said it earlier. There's not a lot of of joy in some of the things that we're doing when you're just firing back responses to papers. I've spent more time grading papers um, in the last two weeks than I think I spent all year, which is which doesn't mean a whole lot. There's not a lot of joy in that part no. of the yeah. <laughs> me. Yeah, I, I realized that um, I am the quarantine has not made me enjoy grading anymore at all. And in fact, I'm probably less emotionally connected to the assignments themselves because we haven't had time to talk and think about them as much. So it's almost even more of a chore. Plus, there's just the whole like good luck grading essays when you have a five year old, a three year old running around, you know, all over the place, like just trying to just read coherent things is tough. That's what I'm going to try and do after this podcast. So looking forward to that. Uh, so two things about, about this podcast. One is um, if they haven't spent any time in the Google classroom with uh, the Congress of Vienna and the how to start an industrial revolution uh, clips that went out uh, yesterday and today, then they should probably take a quick peek at those and then tune back in because otherwise some of what we talked about might be a little difficult to wrap their head around. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the second is our, our statistics this week just plummeted. Uh, we, we made a plea for globalization and internationalism and, um, and, and we didn't, we didn't get the, the viewership that we've had. <laughs> I was wondering about so, that. So, so we're starting to lose viewers. Uh, our our first podcast had a hundred and some odd views now, or plays, and uh, as of coming on for this, we were at thirty three <laughs> for our last podcast. <laughs> so, um, getting rough out there. User, user, 
user fatigue has set in. There, there's a lot of maybe we should make them shorter. Maybe we should get through this a little bit quicker. Um, <laughs> well, it, I don't think it shows if they watch it to the, or if they listen to it to the end. I don't think it distinguishes between that. But but if the first couple of weeks, I don't like, think that's oh, any better. You know, if we can keep them shorter, maybe that would be better. Let's talk about, let's talk for the next 10 minutes about how we could make this podcast shorter. (laughs) Sounds like a work meeting right there. Um, All right. Well, then then let's jump into it. You, you, uh, I I am intrigued by what you did right on here is you, you hit for the shopping cycle. Yeah, I mean, guys, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. I can't, I can't, I don't blame you for, um, I don't blame you for, for not listening. I don't know that this next part's going to get any better, but it's baseball season, I thought. And, um, you know, so there's no baseball going on, which, you know, that's sad. We could all, you know, be bored by something else. That's for sure. Um, sorry, baseball people. Uh, I love baseball, actually. But um, so I, I, I hit, for the shopping cycle and in, and in hitting for that cycle, my, um, so I had to go to Gordon's Aldi and Meyer on Monday. And it was, it was an insane, like two hour trip of emotion. And I think one of the, one of the funniest things that I've kind of noticed, and I started to laugh in the middle of Aldi, which people then it was the first time that people actually looked at me. And that's what I laughed at was like, no one even wants to make eye contact with each other. Like they think if, you look each other in the eyes, you're going to get the Rona um, is what I'm, is what I'm like 100% convinced of. So um, yeah. So I went to all three and it was the first time that I, uh, that I got all the items on my, on my list. I got, I got toilet paper. I got paper towel. I got uh, uh, anything that you want, flour, all that kind of stuff, all the stuff that's been hard to get. Um, I've gotten it. So, um, so that was my home run when, so I, I hit for the cycle and by getting everything that was, that was the home run part of the cycle. But in the middle of it, I just had this like moment where I kind of stopped and I was watching other people for a second and literally no one wants to look each other in the eye. And I, so I started laughing, just me in the store, uh, with, with a mask on and people must've thought I was absolutely insane, but it doesn't matter because you can't see who I am. You're you're right. that, that beard from the bottom of your face mask well, hardly be right. Well, see, so I so I have a system for this, right? <laughs> so I put a bandana. So I have my mask, and then I put a bandana over my mask, which a provides another layer of filtering, and then um, and then two hides my beard. So, and I've thought about cutting the beard. And C also it, makes you a it, part it, of the it's game. A, well. And we'll see. The thing is, I have a smiley face bandana, so it's got like big yellow smiley faces on it, which I thought was festive. So, um, but I have thought about I, I no, thought about getting rid of face the beard. Killer. So we'll see. We'll see how long this this wanes. It's not worth it if all you do is really go out and see large groups of people once every three weeks, which is what we're doing for grocery shopping. So, uh, I'm I'm gonna make a motion for the class. I think this this could play well on Google Classroom. It's um, a uh, selfie next time you go out with said smiley face mask and um, and face mask. We we really would like to see a picture <laughs> yeah, so of just how just how unrecognizable <laughs> you must be. I mean, yeah, I mean, it 
it does provide some degree of anonymity. People, at the very least, it gives me comfort because people can't see how ugly I am. Um, they have no idea. We don't know who's attractive and who's not. And that I don't. It's the great equalizer. It, it, they are. They are one hundred percent true. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I don't. I don't have much for stories either. It seems like when you don't go anywhere, stories are less likely. But uh, I do take back everything I've ever said about not using fear to control children. Uh, I I hit my breaking point yesterday and today. My wife did too. That's not good that we both hit the breaking point at the same time. Um, literally yesterday, she or two days ago, she threatened to spank Brooks. I said, "I will spank you, and I it will be hard. It will hurt." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying, trying not to lose my crap listening to her thinking alright she's lost it and then um, this morning I threatened the children that if they didn't start sharing the toys I would take every single toy in the house out <laughs> there would not be another toy in the house so that we don't struggle to not share um, which that's that. looking back on that that wasn't my finest moment we do sometimes as we get desperate as parents, like jump to the nuclear option. It's like, and I will burn this house down to the ground if you don't eat that last carrot. Like, that's that's kind of how we like our kids would be like, that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So I had that. And then the only other thing I had was uh, homeschooling not going well on our end for our children. Uh, we got an email the other day that Bennett hadn't turned anything in yet. <laughs> She's been at the computer for an hour and a half, two hours every day, but I'm sitting next to him, busy working, and he hasn't turned anything in, so we have to get to the bottom of that. And uh, I've come to the conclusion that perhaps we've, we've uh, weighed school education a little too heavily to uh, social studies and that I caught my nine, five-year-old arguing about who would get to be the prime minister and play game they had made up. So my my children <laughs> aspire to be the prime minister. Um, so so maybe we need to back off a little bit on the Prussians and Austrians and and everything else. So poor children are socially destroyed already. <laughs> they were in trouble to begin with, but this is not going well for them. Jack, how do you spend your days in quarantine? Like, what do you do? You know, I'm trying to think of what I have been doing, and I honestly don't remember. The days all bleed together? Yeah, I thought today was, like, Tuesday. You're only two two off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Close. Um, But I've... I've taken a bit of a hiatus from more intellectually heavy books and I've just started reading more uh, Plato and Nietzsche and also a book just on the history and sociological impact of alcohol. Yeah, those seem like real light beach reads there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, compared to (laughs) equivalents of Homodeus or those... I would say that it's more light reading. <laughs> but yeah. So do you, do you have you gone out? Not, no. Like you, how much? How often? Like in the last forty some odd days, 
How often have you left your house? I've left the house. Really? I think just twice. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd say those. Like, quarantine has not been much of a change for me, in all honesty. <laughs> like, maybe before I would have left three times in 40 days, but. Uh. I hear that. Like, this is starting to just, like, feel a bit, like, other than the work that I still have to do. Um, like, it's a little bit like summertime, like, you know, because I have two younger kids and I'm outnumbered. I don't tend to take them many places, so we tend to stay fairly close to home as is. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just that, you know, we don't go out, you know, we'll, we'll get takeout and stuff like that. Support your local businesses, people. Um, but other than that, you know, we're, we're pretty much home too. So Jack, well, are you, are you going to, you're, are you going to stick with us through the remainder of the podcast? Cause if so, I have some homework for you. Yeah. Think of a, think of a weekly <laughs> recommendation. Right. Yeah, I can okay, do that. something that you can recommend to your classmates, something that Ooh. they can do, watch, read, something like that. I have one too, but I wanna I wanna get a student weekly recommendation. So um so think about that as we're as we're continuing on here. But feel free to chip and putt off of what we're gonna be talking about. So are you ready to move into it, Hav? All right. Yeah. You know, I I put down that weekly advertisement, but that that wasn't very good. I couldn't come up with anything, so we can skip that. No, no, I got one. I got one. I got one. You got one. Um, So this this week's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Um, Next week, it will be just called Omaha Steak because there's only going to be one left in the country anyway, just a steak, um, because apparently we're going through terrible meat shortages. So if you want some (laughs) Omaha Steaks, you should probably hop on that pretty quickly Um, because... You don't got much time left, apparently. There you go. Omaha Steaks. No, I'm going to stop there because th- this this one just bothered. Uh, we, Come on. It was still good, though. <laughs> no, no. It was good. It was good. But you struck a chord. You struck a nerve. You, 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 I know it's hard to imagine, but you hit a spot that just, <laughs> just hits at me a little bit. We won't, de- we won't invoke the Defense Production Act for things like ventilators to help people breathe that are about to die. Or PPE. Or, or or yes, you know, proper face shields for for my wife who's a frontliner at, in in the emergency room. But when it comes to oh no, our red meat supply is threatened. <laughs> we are going to send those bastards into work, and we are going to make sure that this is a defense burden. Like I don't feel like in the heart of World War II, they thought to themselves, you know what we need to do? We need to make sure those steak producers are getting the job done. So your central thesis is that the <laughs> Defense Production Act is being applied inconsistently? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I, I'm saying that the Defense Production Act, the application of the Defense Production Act demonstrates our priorities as a nation. Fair enough. And those priorities terrify me. But I've been terrified for a long time about this. So. <laughs> yeah, we, should, we shouldn't talk about that because I'm going to go back to a dark place again. So let's... <laughs> Let's keep going. Let's talk about something much more light that I'm sure kids are going to just care tons about here um, and understand. This is hard, though, right? These, th- I would say that this is a hard um, – This is a, these are hard concepts to, to understand because we label things so poorly when it comes to this stuff. We essentially have three different terms that are separated by three letters, which is just the word neo. We have liberalism and liberalism. 
which are two very <laughs> different things. And then we have neoliberalism. And so if you are a student and you've made it this far, you're one of the, if trends continue, the 16 people that will listen to this podcast, um, just know that if you get confused by this, that's okay. Flatten the curve on the uh, listening audience for this uh, podcast. We flat, yes, we flatten that curve. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right so so this is where the, the first distinction that we have to make and and typically these this is the only distinction that i've had to make and i think you're right everly when you said uh we've labeled things so poorly in our society because we've attached labels to different actions without truly understanding what that label means um but i talk about big l liberalism so capital liberalism as in a group of people as in a proper noun uh, and this is the uh, quote unquote liberals that many of you hear about um, when you tune into a Facebook feed or if you uh, turn on Fox News or something like that, you hear about these these liberals. Uh, and that has one reference. And that that is oftentimes referencing the political agenda of the Democratic Party. It's kind of how I've always tried to explain. Yeah, a, a better, like, I think for, for these purposes, like, liberalism kind of equate that to progressivism. Like, that's a, like, if you're looking for a different term for just for these purposes to try and figure out what's the difference between liberalism and liberalism, the liberalism that we are currently talking about, another, another name for that is progressive, progressivism. Then we have small l liberalism which is what was born out of the French Revolution, which is what Metternich tried to stop at the Congress of Vienna, and which was eventually, uh, with the revolutions of 1848, is where we see it, it take hold. And small-L liberalism was this idea that careers would be open to talent and ability, that class distinction would no longer be based on where you were born or what family you were born into, but rather it would be based on your talent, your ability, in your intelligence and this liberalism was largely to overthrow the power of the monarchs so right it's monarch, the, divine the root word there is liberty right it's about it's about freedom and it's about it, it's about your own personal um hard work and stuff like that um advancing you in life rather than your connection to a name or something like that correct yes so there you have you have two very different things. And oftentimes when we hear the term liberalism, we automatically attach it to uh, the S word that I can't say uh, in Hamilton, but say it anyway, socialism. Uh, we connect that to socialism, to communism, to those types of ideas, when really small L liberalism is really quite different and far closer to the ideals of Adam Smith and capitalism. Yes. Which if you are, again, if you get made it this far and you're like, well, then why did they call two thing, two very, very different things, the same thing? I don't have an answer for that. Do you have that? Do you know why, where that came from? You, when you started into that, I thought, oh, you're like, ah. he did some next level research. I'm, no, I can't wait to hear what he's going to I no no no. I, this is just an exercise in empathy. I too am confused as to why that happened. So know that you are not alone. Well, you're alone because um, you're in quarantine, but you're not alone yeah. in that. Hopefully, 
I feel like this is the moment that Callan looks at all of us and says, what are you guys even talking about? And kind of like, (laughs) (laughs) and other other children are giving us disapproving glances of what is going on here. Uh, Well, to be fair, I think the American adoption of the term liberalism is unique to America, because if you go to Europe, if you hear the term liberalism, they are talking about small L liberalism, talent, ability, that type of idea. Yeah, there are more liberal parties oftentimes that'd be called like labor parties and stuff like that, right? Uh, At least I think that's the case in Britain. Correct. Uh, But to answer your question is, I don't know that I can actually answer your question as to why that changed in America and how we adopted it. Um, Especially because when you look at the ideas of neoliberalism, which is the new liberalism, you then figure out, are we attaching that to big L or small L liberalism? So you want to take a stab at explaining neoliberalism? Well, here's the interesting thing is you kind of have a little bit of a different, like you have a different definition than what I would have given. So, and so I'm going to like, and I, and I read quite a bit on like, I, I knew these terms and I've studied them, but it's been a while since I've really, since I've really looked at them. So when I saw that this was on the show notes, like I, um, you know, I, I, I did quite a bit of re- reading yesterday for probably, I don't know, a good couple hours, I would actually say, because I kind of went down a rabbit hole and stuff. And what I am understanding neoliberalism to be, I'm not sure that you're like, I would rather have you go first, I guess, is what I'm saying. Well, well no, no, <laughs> you, you can't strong arm me into that. I, All right. I, but I, from what's on the show notes, this is. Go ahead. My attempt to define neoliberalism is what I put on the show notes was not necessarily a definition as much as it was where it came from historically. Does that make more? Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, this is really weird because we're talking about a thing that like they don't have access to it. So they don't know what we're talking about. Um, So this is okay. So Here's I saw a decent um, um, I saw a decent definition from this guy. His last name's Brown. I forget exactly what book uh, this is. Um, I have just an excerpt from one of his chapters in here, um, and he talks about basically like neoliberalism is this idea of like. So you, if if you think of liberalism as like this idea of like not monarchy and it's it's about um, the the meritocracy. It's about people working hard for what they get and, and a lot of stuff that like we in, in America have internalized and by and large, even our quote unquote liberal and conservative parties on some level agree with those things. Right. Um, they, everyone wants to see people be able to succeed on their, on the backs of their own merit. Right. But where we kind of differ is that liberals believe that there are people that are, let me, say, let me say that again. Progressives, Democrats, um, they they kind of believe that there are that there are people that that the odds are stacked against them. And so they're trying to, like, create more equity in the system through government intervention and stuff like that. Whereas your typical conservatives want 
absolute liberty, absolute freedom, believe that the free market kind of, um, if you are work harder and you're smarter and you, and that kind of stuff, like you're, you're going to get, um, you're going to get the outcome that you want. Um, which is, you know, people, the most talent rising to the top. Right. Um, so neoliberalism kind of takes that one step further. And instead of saying we don't want government interaction um, in the market, like we just want a free market, they actually want like governments to come in and have like really, 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 I would say aggressive measures to make to ensure a free market, which is a little bit problematic because as soon as you have a government step in, is, is the market really free? Uh, but they want to maximize competition. They want to maximize free trade. They want to economically kind of deregulate everything. Um, things like tariffs are a no-no. Um, they want social policies and economic and monetary policies to favor business. Um, and they are by and large, like they don't, I would say it's fair to say that they don't really care about poverty Um um, as far as, as a byproduct of, of free markets, they're just like, this is what happens. There's winners and losers in a market. And so they want government to, to, um, pull very strong levers to make sure that that happens. I would say, is that, is, is that a fair definition of neoliberalism in your, in your book? Yes. Okay. I, I see where, where my statement was confusing to you because I just typed out a few things because I, I too had seen the same, uh, same type of argument for what is neoliberalism. And it led me to say, so what the heck is the difference between a neoconservative and a neoliberal? Um, because it is, they, they felt somewhat similar. And now I hear, I throw another term in, but the neoconservatives basically said all of those same things about limiting regulation and, um, without the government bringing about the limit of regulation, but then the neocons also wanted to beat everybody up in the world. That was foreign policy. Um, yeah, that, that was like near the Iraq war and stuff like that. Like that's where you're talking about neoconservatism and stuff like that. Right. It, it had yeah. its roots earlier than that, but that's where we're. Most, sure. Um, the neoliberal part that I wrote down was essentially it, it was at the time coming out of the great society, Lyndon B. Johnson's great society. There was this clear understanding that um, that Democrats had moved so far to the left uh, in calling for social programs and social change uh, between the New Deal and the and the great society that some liberals, progressives, sorry, some progressives said we we need to. To move back to the center, we need to we need to create and allow for some of these things. Uh, and in some ways, I would interpret neoliberalism as a uh, an offshoot of what they tried to do there. Uh, it didn't go exactly, I think, how most progressives would have wanted it to go, and that's why we end up with some of the confusion around the topic. Interesting. Okay. It, so you're just. Go ahead. No, you go first. Go for it. No, I said, are, are you disagreeing with my take on where I came from with neoliberalism? Kind of, because um, 
I think it's it was it was reactionary because like neoliberalism like has its roots and like um, you know like Milton Friedman was who we talk about in foreign policy mm-hmm. was kind of one of the fathers of neoliberalism right and so like I feel like your definition kind of makes neoliberalism seem like a progressive enterprise whereas I understand it as a conservative enterprise like it's a direct. I don't want to get too nerdy. We're going to lose so many people here. This is going to be ridiculous. But it's a repudiation of Keynesian economics, like the Keynesian welfare state, like out of out of like, um, you know, the New Deal and stuff like that, heavy government spending and stuff like that. And that and and that ran into a snag like in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that. And so, like, you have this school of of neoliberalism, um, which is goes back to the original the the small l liberalism the idea of extreme freedom right maybe instead of saying where the progressive party tried to move i should say that's where some members of the progressive party that had become disillusioned with what was happening in society yes you get into the warren court you get into the 70s uh, the rise of crime, the the Gideon v. Wainwright, this idea that that, that society had pro- is and will protect the criminals instead of the law-abiding citizens. Uh, you lost a certain percentage of your people, and they held on to the role of the government and and some of that, and and found themselves uh, moving towards yes. neoliberal ideas. I can agree that. I can agree with you that liberals, progressives, excuse me, jumped on to that kind of rightward shift in our country and, and um, um, in the in the 70s and in the 80s and, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm with you there. I just felt I thought that when with what you wrote on the document, you were saying that the that the movement was birthed from progressives. And that confused me. So because that's not the way that I understand it. No, I would agree that it it came from the conservative movement to go back to your economist, definitely of Friedman, uh, the truest form of capitalism. Uh, I thought that article that you you sent me from The Guardian captured it well, talked about, you know, the Chicago boys and that type of stuff. Right. And (laughs) And so we say all this. Why do why do these distinctions matter? Why should our students care about it? I think in, in some ways, as I, I use it to challenge them to say, do you understand what the word means when you use the word? Do you understand where liberalism came from and those ideas of, because progressive liberals also want small L liberalism to exist but what they're saying is there are so many social factors that keep it from ever being a possibility. And thus, right. They're like, all this looks great on paper, but the reality is if you grow up in, um, you know, in, um, you know, Harlem or something like that, like in a really poor area of New York city, like you're not going to have the opportunity that, um, someone born 30 blocks south of you has in new york city like that's just that's just the re the the economic the social reality and so progressives would come in and say it's the government's job to ensure a level playing field which um conservatives 
um, would say that it's no, it's not the government's job to do that. It's the government's job to get out of the way and let the market do it and work hard and, and, and overcome your obstacles. Cause we all have them and, and, and this and that, but they, but everyone kind of, not everyone, but there's broad consensus that the, the concepts of small L liberalism, the, the economic freedom, the, the equality, that kind of stuff is our laudable goals. Correct. And I, and I would argue that we can see this in, in the, the early and mid 1800s as being a, a, um, a movement that had validity because society was less complex. And in, in that era, by simply removing the distinction between classes, because there was very little difference in education or opportunity in any other way, small L liberals would have thought, that's it. We've done it. We got rid of the monarchy. We got rid of the central authority in our lives. And now we have a chance. Whereas right. 200 years later, you look at that same thing. They, even, even if you, you know, even if you remove these government things or once you remove anything from the government, the first thing that goes away is equality and equality of opportunity. And, you know, that's, I guess that's why I always bring this concept up in my discussion of the French Revolution. So is this a, is this a conversation that is going to continue to help them with their understanding of the Industrial Revolution? Yes. And if so, so can you start to get into how that might potentially help them understand things for, for the future of the course? Good. So, so the Industrial Revolution is gaining complexity society is going to gain complexity with the advent of the industrial revolution now the question we have is did it gain complexity equally for everyone at the same time did everyone walk away from the from the the revolution say that's it i am i am better off and equally better off as every other and I, okay. I would argue that what I hope they discover is that the rising tide did not lift all boats the same. Some, most boats were lifted in, in, um, from an economic standpoint and that they all, all people were better off, but were they better off um, equally? In the same degree. Correct. Yeah, to the same degree. Yeah, I mean, this is where, I mean, so like, to understand these terms, I, I asked you the question, but I also kind of had an, an idea of the answer. Like to understand these terms, like you have to understand that these are where we, we get these classic debates about trickle down economics. And should you should you cut taxes for the rich in order to benefit everybody? Like all of these things have their roots in big L liberalism versus small L liberalism versus neoliberalism. And you can even throw libertarianism in there is, is, a, is another kind of offshoot of those things. Right. Was that? That a um, shout out for uh, Justin Amash. <laughs> there you go, right? Um, and so, <laughs> like, I just want kids as they as they start to grapple with these terms and try to understand them and why this is important. Just realize that a lot of the 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 the, the cultural fights that we fight today, um, that I as I'm beginning to understand things, my my opinion starts to be that these some of these cultural battles matter less and less than, than what we think they do. And um, politics should have more of a local um, focus, but um, that's for another day. Uh, but we have to understand that, that these fights have their roots in those 
in those movements of the 1940s in neoliberalism and beyond or and earlier with the concept of liberalism. So I just wanted kids to know like why it matters to them. Sure. And, and I would say that, um, that not only do they have their roots in this stuff, but also to understand that oftentimes this gets very difficult because you start with a worldview and once you've established a worldview, then it fits neatly into um, the position that you have, which is, is right. it, it becomes very hard to have a conversation to change someone's mind about the role of government in our lives if they have already decided that there is no equality in the world or if they've already decided that everyone should just pick themselves up by their bootstraps and, and move on. And, and that's where the, yes. that's where the discussion, the discussion really needs to center around the evidence that supports the world views that people have, not the political solutions, because I think, I think we miss where the debate really needs to take place. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. That's good. I like that. Beautiful. Jack, do you have anything to add? Okay. Nothing that I can really <laughs> think of. No. All right. Uh, let's let's <laughs> save that second modernity for uh, later because I'll do something with the first modernity and the twin revolutions of modernity for uh, mm-hmm. the course of next week. So that leads us to the end. Weekly recommendations. Uh, Jack, did you did you think of one? You're like probably the worst. Read some Nietzsche. Sure. Ask for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally, like maybe an hour or two before this, I was like, I'm going to delete Netflix, Amazon Video, and all those other apps. So. I, I will say I that, that the weekly recommendation <laughs> no. has proven harder than what I thought it was. Like, I thought I had a really good first weekly recommendation, which was Knives Out. I was like, oh, that's. It's a really good movie. The problem is I don't have tons of time to watch movies. Like I don't watch more TV than what I watched before the quarantine because we have kids around. So if anything, if I'm going to leverage TV to help myself, <laughs> it's going to be to plop them in front of it so I can get a moment's peace. Um, and so, and so, like I, I still watch just like you know, essentially two to three hours of TV a uh every couple of days maybe like there'll be like maybe every other day like i'll i'll be like okay it's eight o'clock kids are in bed i'm gonna watch tv for a couple hours um and so my my um my recommendation this week is has nothing to do with something to watch or or read or listen to or anything like that um obviously the states are opening up right and um you know people are starting to socially distance a little less but the weather's getting nicer and so if you are somebody who is looking for an outdoor experience that isn't the Allegan woods because who knows what's going to happen in in that place um my recommendation is a park i was recently at a park on the north side of holland um, this is pretty far on the north side of Holland, um, um, but it's called uh, it's called a Pigeon Creek Park. And um, this is where I'm recommending that you if you need to get outdoors, don't head to like the lakeshore, the beaches or whatever. Like it's going to be 70 degrees. Everybody and their dad's going to be there. <laughs> like if you want like a true, you know, try to get away from people. Um, this Pigeon Creek Park is is really nice. They've got a bunch of like like uh like red pine i think 
uh, or maybe red cedar. Is that what I'm thinking? Red cedar. Uh, Hav, you're the you're the wood expert. You cut a lot of wood. Are both of those things trees? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I'm guessing that they're probably cedar trees. <laughs> okay. Uh, the the smell is yeah, it's got to be cedar because it smells like cedar. So they've got like a big uh, red cedar kind of forest. Um, there's there's a stream that goes through it, which is which is really nice. There's some there's some different kind of you know, like there's some hilly areas and, 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 um, it's a, it's a relatively large park with a lot of loops. So if you want to do like a longer, like 10 mile thing, you can make that happen. If you'd rather do like a one or two mile thing, you can make that happen. And that's just a good place to, to get outside, get away from, um, the news and, you know, maybe your family or something like that. And just, um, be out in nature, but you're not also going to be around like a million other people, you know, walking down by like Lake Makatawa and, and Holland State Park down there and stuff like that. Like you'll 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 be able to be away from uh, more people. So that's my weekly recommendation. But wherever you do, go out to a park. Go out, go out get some get some fresh air this weekend because it's supposed to be really nice. All right, well, awesome. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna get more stuff from us about uh, the Industrial Revolution coming forward. A couple of videos that came out the last couple of days yeah. to, to catch up on if you haven't and. Uh, Eventually, we'll get to some type of assessment. I'm thinking that I'm going to go with the same kind of assessment I've done in the past, and that is that you're going to write a a revised children's story about what we should really be teaching our children based on what we learned about the Industrial Revolution. But we'll see if we can make it a group collaborative via Google Docs and uh, that type of experience so you guys can all work together to put some stuff in and uh, encourage you guys to interact with one another a little bit too so and we're and you and i are debating whether or not the english i think will will be um some primary sources or whether it will be some satire or whether it will be kind of articles tying things to modern day um and that kind of stuff so we're still kind of um tossing over a few ideas in our heads but we got a few days we'll talk sounds good all right all right hey jack Thanks, Jack, for joining yeah, us. Appreciate it, Jack. Glad you could uh, come on with us. And uh, if anyone else wants <laughs> yeah. to get the podcast was fifteen minutes shorter yeah. today. Like that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Hey, All right. Have a good weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you too. See you guys.